Hello and welcome to the latest Grazia Life Advice podcast. I hope you're having a good week and are ready for some excellent life tips and chat. This time from a podcaster, presenter, author and columnist. I'm Grace Dent and I'm the author of Hungry and the presenter of Comfort Eating and I'm this week's guest on the Grazia Life Advice podcast. Coming up. We'll hear about a moment in Grace's life when she realised that she had become the thing that she'd spent her life and career up to that point railing against. I'm kind of going, why are all these 22-year-olds in the food scene, like, attacking me? Why Like, why are they being so horrible? What, and then I go, because you're the prick now. Mm. And f- quite frankly, Grace, you are the establishment. She talks honestly about the self-discovery that can come after devastating heartbreak. But in those times, it is an opportunity to rebuild, to rebuild and rediscover and find out exactly who you are. And finally, we discuss the merits of taking fashion advice from, where else, the movie Legally Blonde. I put the first one on and I went to a book festival and I was sitting there and I kept looking down and I could see my boob escaping through the hole. I could listen to Grace Dent talk all day. She really is brimming with wisdom and that acerbic wit, which I love so much. I really hope you enjoy our interview. It's really nice to see you, Grace Dent. Thank you for being on this podcast. I think the last time I saw you was at the Great British Podcast Awards and you were sitting on a picnic blanket and you were looking a little bit displeased about sitting on a picnic blanket. Uh, Yeah, I was invited to an awards ceremony and I got there and realised there was no seats and you had to sit on the floor. And I, I think a lady of my vintage should not be seen in public trying to get up gracefully. I was in heels, for the love of God. The thing is, Grace, I was sat behind you and I didn't want to sort of like, you know, call you out. But as soon as I saw you, I thought, she's not going to want to sit on that blanket. (laughs) And I was trying to be gracious and down with it. And I was, I was cross. I left quite quickly afterwards because I had a, I had a, like a slightly damp bottom. Um, how have you been otherwise? January, how's it all working out for you? Oh, well, look, I think that my attitude to January is just head down, get through it, because we all know what it's like. We all know exactly what's facing us. January actually isn't the worst one. It's February. February is when things get real. On that cheery note, um, <laughs> I think we'll embark on your life advice, which is actually um, a lot more optimistic and, and full of um, inspiration and joy and all of those wonderful things, Grace. So um, thank you for sharing oh. it with, with us. Um, your first piece of advice <laughs> has had an earworm now going around in my head since um, I read it earlier this morning. And it's, it's a piece of advice from a song lyric. Could you tell us about the song lyric? Okay, uh, my first piece of life advice is uh, from the Gwen Guthrie classic, Ain't Nothing Going On But The Rent. Uh, Ain't nothing going on. <laughs> it's like, you can't it's help in your head right now. It's a piece of advice that follows me around all of the time when I think about financial independence. You see, you say this is a positive piece of advice I don't, it could it's very it could be a bit cynical mm. but it's very real 
what Gwen Guthrie is saying is that love comes and goes, life comes and goes, happiness comes, every, you know, life is this ever-moving circus, but there is nothing as definite as the fact that the rent or your mortgage needs paid. And it's about being independent and being able to, I mean, the way I've always seen it is being able to pay it yourself, being able to cover it and have your own independence to be able to do that. And I all, I always think that, you know, I, I, um, I've always been very adverse to letting anybody, any man financially look after me, uh, ever. And I always say to women, you know, in a, in a relationship to always have this, a store of money somewhere, you know, to have someone. And I mean, I know this isn't for everybody and I know it, it, I know that it's a difficult thing to do. We're all stretched with money, but to just try and keep some kind of fund where you can go and pay rent somewhere else in an emergency, you can flee. You're not completely tied to this one person. I'm always interested in whenever women in records name check this idea of financial independence, whether it's like Beyonce's independent woman, you know, was it uh, Destiny's Child, that wasn't it? This idea of being able to cover your own bills and uh, not sitting around waiting for somebody else to do things for you. The other lyric that I love is in Respect by Aretha Franklin. And she suddenly kind of goes, kisses, sweeter than honey. Uh, Guess what? Here's all of my money. And it's, (laughs) and I love this. I love this idea that you have to really keep an eye on finances when love floats in. Uh, and, and I've seen this, I've done this a lot of times in my life. People come into your life and before you know it, you're investing your own money in them to uh, to make them happy. And that's lovely. We all do it. We all do things for love. But it doesn't, that doesn't mean that they're going to be grateful for it forever. It doesn't mean that if you split up, that you're going to be able to hold that receipt going, but... Oh. But I put you through college. <laughs> I paid your, but I paid your credit card bill. And it also doesn't mean that, you know, if you put somebody on the mortgage to your house and they're very, very grateful, it doesn't mean that they won't try and take the house off you if you split up. And I think that sometimes as women, we're very nurturing and caring, especially when we're making a lot of money. We want to, we want to kind of hide it. And we hide it and we try and give it away to our other halves to try and even things out. And it's taken me into my uh, into my late 40s to just go, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. You know, at the end of the day, I, I try to be very realistic about giving people money to try and become the, the sort of person that I, that I dreamed that they were. Very sensible, it sounds there ain't nothing going on but the rent. <laughs> Thank you for that um, piece of advice. I mean, this is brilliant. Um, your second piece of advice, I'm going to ask you to explain because it's uh, one got a name that I can't pronounce in it and two is from uh, a film, 24-Hour Party People. The piece of advice, it's it's actually by uh, a Roman philosopher called Bethius. 
it, it's about happiness and it's about joy and it's about the reality of happiness. And I, and I always think about this. He, he compares happiness to a wheel, right? And you mentioned a film called 24 Hour Party People because that's one of my favorite films. It's about the Hacienda nightclub. But there's a tiny, tiny section in this film where one of the main characters is walking down the road and a, uh, a man sitting begging by the side of the road just says this quote to him. It's a little kind of surreal moment, but uh, I was really thrilled to see this quote used. And it's uh, Sabethius and his wheel says, uh, it's my belief that history is a wheel. Inconstancy is my essence, says the wheel. Rise upon my spokes if you like, but don't complain when you're cast down into the depths. Good times pass away but then so do the bad. Mutability is our tragedy, but it's also our hope. The worst of time, like the best of time, are always passing away. So the point of that is that happiness, and I really believe this, happiness is not a destination. And it's not that, uh, that when you get to that certain point, when you get the house with the extra bedroom and the room for the peloton in the back room or whatever it is, that is when happiness will happen and it'll be constant happiness or whatever it is, whatever these crazy things we put ourselves through. What I think is more realistic with happiness is that um, it's just ups and downs and ups and downs and riding those ups and downs. Sometimes happiness is very fleeting in that one day. Uh, and it could just be going on an amazing walk or meeting a new puppy or <laughs> just that. But these moments of joy, you go up and then you go down, you go up and then you go down. And uh, and that really is happiness. What this quotation is saying is that that, that is life, you know, and if you enjoy these when you enjoy those massive highs, sometimes we do have massive highs. You know, you fall in love and it, you know, it's like you're just off your head on drugs. You're so happy or, you know, you, you do suddenly look, you look at your head on and you look completely beautiful. You get that fantastic job, but you can't keep hold of that feeling. That is not a permanent feeling. It's written in the cards that it will slip away that, um, you know, people die and uh, people lose jobs and this, all of the, the, you know, the, the bad things in life, they're coming for you. So uh, I love the fact that with Boethius as well, he says, you know, mutability, which means changeability. It is our tragedy, but it is also our hope because the worst of time, like the best of times, is always passing away. I always think of this. I think of this huge wheel going around. It's like, oh my God, I was given this job. Oh, they love me. They love me. You look at this email. I've been asked to do this. You're rising up high on the spoke. It's like, enjoy it, enjoy it. But there will be a point again where it's like, oh my God. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just getting pulled through. And uh, do you think that there's a way of like holding those two extremes of, of happiness and um sorrow or suffering like holding them in parallel so that you actually just reach some kind of equilibrium of okayness where you're not at one extreme or the other yes I and I do but it's really hard mm. work and I think it maybe comes with with age because it's taken me a long time to not uh listen to my hype 
when people you know when people are hyping you mm. and saying oh you're this and you're that and to kind of go yes i am i am this because when suddenly a thousand people have decided to attack you on twitter mm. and you honestly feel like walking into the river you mm. know like both things aren't really real i i think one of the greatest things i've taught myself to do is when I wake up feeling dreadful sometimes, just out of the blue, is to kind of just label it and go, okay, so what's this about today Hmm. then? What's this really about, you know? Okay, let's sit with this for a bit because it'll go. It'll just go. You won't even notice it going. And actually Um, sitting with it can be a really important thing to do, can't it? Like rather than just running from it, just allowing it to sort of wash over you and feel it. Yes, Oh, absolutely. You need to sit with it and, you know, not drink and not call a dealer and not (laughs) decide to, you know, sell their house or whatever it is that, that, you know, people do Mm. to make to feel better. Sometimes to just sit with it. My friend does say as a Buddhist, he used to say sometimes, just like wrap it around you like a duvet, like sit there, like literally... To, like let it attack you let all the arrows attack you it's like oh you know I'm kind of oh yeah I'm old yes I'm old I'm old look at me look at my eyes oh and, and, and I'm and I'm too big yes look at my big bum and just like <laughs> let it let these things yeah. attack you till you almost just laugh yeah you know yeah Brilliant. Um, Grace, your third piece of advice is something that Lenny Henry said. And um, I'm going to read this one out because I want to say this word on a podcast. One day you're kicking (laughs) against the pricks and the next day you are the prick. What does this quote mean to you? (laughs) Oh, this is very important for anybody who's listening. Who's about... Yeah, I would say 18 to 27, which I am certainly not. I am, I'm much older than that now. When you're in your about 18 to 27, 18, yeah, 27, 28, Mm. you feel as if you are uh, revolutionary and that you're having ideas that are big and bold and that you're possibly having them for the first time. And, 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 you know, maybe you are. And that's, Everybody past the age of about 30, 35, not only do they not understand and that they're a bit tragic (laughs) and they should move away and probably just go and like run into the sun. But it's it's not just that. There's a feeling that you have when you're young that you're kicking against the pricks. And I felt like that. You see the establishment and you see... Like, let's just take London media, but this this works everywhere. You look at London media and you go, that's the older crowd and they all know each other and they're the establishment and they're doling the jobs out and they don't understand what's actually happening. Mm -hmm. And that they're not just out of date, they're a bit evil. What we need to do is we just need to attack them and we'll, we'll say horrible things about them and we'll sneer every time they're spoken about. And um, if we can get them out of their jobs, we would love to. And you have this feeling that you're kicking against the pricks and it's political. You know, you can see it, you know, it happened in the 60s and the 70s with punk, you know, those people kicking against the pricks. And suddenly overnight, you are about 30 and it's just come up on you, yeah. right? And you suddenly realize that 21-year-olds hate you. You know, you've risen 
probably through the ranks a little bit if you're you know career minded or you know you're maybe in some kind of group you know you're some kind of interest of some kind maybe you're uh, the president of an archaeology society <laughs> or you know the president of the knitting wing or something and you one minute you were kicking against these pricks yeah. but then you're the prick and it happens i remember very clearly kicking against the pricks and you know being young and hating everybody that was on BBC Two and mm-hmm. BBC Four. And why don't I have these jobs? And how they were, they were being so resentful and angry. And it's amazing how very quickly you're just an old person and you are coming under the same type of attack. So I think that all the time when I'm kind of thinking, <laughs> I'm kind of going, why are all these 22 year olds in the food scene like attacking me? Why, like, why are they being so horrible? Why are they, what? and then I go, because you're the prick now. Mm. They see you on whatever it is, walking mm. in on MasterChef or, you know, you, you know, you have a guardian column and you now have this platform that they don't feel they have. Mm. And f- quite frankly, Grace, you are the establishment. Yeah. But what do you do with that when you think that? Does it make you, a better person to recognize that you have to recognize it and also you know what I have to do is I also have to listen to what they're saying mm-hmm. because if somebody is very angry at something that I've said or angry that they think I have too much power or they're just kind of spurting on about something I've, I've never even thought about you know you can go into uh, fight or flight mm-hmm. mode but then I, I do sit and I listen exactly yeah. to what they say. And, and, you know, I don't find I don't find that interacting is is any use at all because it then becomes about yeah. something else. Instead of the issue that we're talking about, it becomes an argument about who said what to who mm. on social media. But I know I definitely think I, you know, I listen to I, I, I listen to young people. Mm-hmm. You have to listen to young people because uh without that yeah you might as well just go get your zimmer (laughs) we are just gonna um (laughs) pop to a quick advert break and we'll be right back with grace dent's life advice and we're back with the fantastic grace dent who's sharing some pearls of wisdom with us today and her fourth piece of life advice is something that the artist tracy emin said um grace would you like to do the honors with this quote please you know i'm i've really tried to find where she said this and I don't know, but I'm paraphrasing. Uh, she said that she tries not to go out two nights in a row. She is really aware that she she can't work to a full, you know, to a full capacity or to, or to any proper capacity with a hangover. Mm. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, Tracy Emin, back in the day, back in the 90s, uh, she she used to she used to like to party. Uh, she would go out and she would get a bit hammered. I will also say that another quote that she once said that always sticks with me too is she went on a TV show and she was really drunk. Anyone who's a big fan of her will remember when she had had she won the Turner or she, I think she I think she'd won the Turner. She was live on television, absolutely hammered, and she said the next day. The phone was ringing, the phone was ringing. Everybody's like, oh, come on this show, come on this show. Do you want to do this? Do you want to do this reality show? Do you want to whatever? And she said, you have to really watch when you go out and you do that type of thing because you can very quickly become 
the incredible drunk woman mm. that everybody wants to have on things. I do think of that a lot. I think there's a pressure. We always have to say yes to these networking mm-hmm. events. We need to be at this. Uh, we've been invited to this. We've been invited to that. We have to go to meet our friends and show face at this baby shower. And and there's alcohol. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. I think you have to be very aware of how that is actually uh, zapping your potential the next day. Yeah, I was going to ask what your rules are for a week and going out. Do you have any? I'm really uh, fierce about what I put in the diary now, but it's taken me till this age, you know, know, it's, I used to kind of think, well, if I'm awake and if I'm alive, I can just get to things. I can just be at places. Mm. Why not? Why not back to back coming out of this meeting and going to dinner and then, well, if I just get up at five in the morning, I can write this piece and then I can be back at lunch. And like, I don't, I don't do that at all now. My, I really relish routine. I love to be in bed really early. I do think that people are a bit disappointed if they don't think that, you know, Tracy Emin is a massive drunk. I mean, she has been very ill recently, so I'm sure her circumstances have changed. But it's... I think people are disappointed if they think that I'm not at five o'clock every night sitting like Holly Golightly at Claridge's <laughs> with a massive martini <laughs> and then snogging the man on the door yeah. and falling into a. But uh, I am very uh, realistic about where your mental health goes mm-hmm. and where your, uh, where your creativity goes. Yeah. If you're just, if you're just surviving by running from one place to another all Mm. the time yeah and when we first knew each other when I was working at um, a a London magazine um, yeah that was my life because the whole point of the magazine was like going out you were at parties events launches everything every night of the week and I just look back and wonder how I did it and how I wasn't just like completely burnt out but I suppose I was younger Grace your um, fifth piece of advice (laughs) is um, from someone called Marion Woodman. I'm going to read out this quote that you sent me. More often, we need to leave the old without any promise of the new. Need to spend time as forest dwellers just surviving. Who is Marion Woodman, firstly? And what does this quote mean to you? Marion Woodman is a Canadian author. I'm not going to pretend to have read a lot of Marion Woodman, although when I was at university... In the 90s, I did definitely read a lot of Canadian fiction uh, as one of my units. This, the just these lines stick with me because what she's saying, so more often we need to leave the old without any promise of the new and need to spend time as forest dwellers just surviving. I think we all have times in our life and it's often at the end of a relationship where you have to jump or maybe you're pushed. Maybe you get dumped. Maybe you get dumped and you're actually made homeless. And or maybe you're, you wake up and your partner tells you they don't love you anymore and you need to just find a flat really quickly. Or maybe they leave and they leave and you don't even know any of the passwords to your bank account and you haven't got a car anymore. Or, you know, we all have these points in our life where you lose what feels like everything and the pain and the grief is visceral you know I, i'm trying to i'm trying to think of times in my life where 
you've been dumped and you have to move to another postcode in the midst of grief, in the midst of it, so when, it's, when it's thick like soup around your ears and you have to move into a tiny back bedroom in a flat share full of people you don't know and you've only got enough money in the bank to pay the deposit on the flat and you can't even eat when you get to work. And I think we all have moments like that. We have to move to another country and we're heartbroken when we get there. What I will say about these moments are that they are, I hate the phrase character building, but what I'm looking at it is that. You will always look back at those times when you've got through them mm. and be so proud of yourself. You will always think, oh, I really, I, I, I relearned in that time what I like, you know? Yeah. What do I like? It's a euphoric feeling, isn't it? So sort of rediscovering yourself sometimes after a long Re- relationship. Find it. Yeah. Yes. And you, you'll you get to the end of it. And fe- and I say this to anyone who, when my friends come and they've been dumped or divorced or something, I mean, it often happens when you're in grief mm-hmm. as well. You know, you, you kind of get to the end of it and go, that was horrible, but I sort of loved it. I sort of loved... You know, this moment when you're a forest dweller, you know, you literally feel like a primitive person. You just every morning pulling your clothes on and looking at your depleted bank account. And you, um, but in those times, it is an opportunity to rebuild as, to rebuild and rediscover and find out exactly who you Mm. are, which you sometimes don't, you lose yourself in relationships. Okay, so your sixth piece of advice is from a movie that I just rewatched um, yesterday, coincidentally. And it's from Elle Woods in The Fantastic Legally Blonde. And she says, if the fabric doesn't work for you, don't work with the fabric. Grace, tell me, is it about the fabric or is it really about something more? Do you know, it is about the fabric. I'm in this, I'm, take this in its purest okay. Legally blonde sense. If the fabric doesn't work for you, don't work with the fabric. If by now, listeners, you know which fabrics don't work with you. So stop buying clothes in them. And I'm saying this to you and I'm saying this to me because I still get caught like this. Like I... At this age, I know exactly what I can wear and what fabrics I can wear that drape and do and, 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 and give enough space for my large bosom and accentuate the fact that I've got a small waist and have a bit of give in the mm-hmm. bottom, which is where I put weight on, like on and off and on and off and on and off. I know exactly what fabrics I can wear, but still without fail. And I, I was just thinking before I, I came to speak to you like for the other day in a rush. I thought, oh, I need any dresses, any dresses for television, and I picked these three beautiful kind of fifties style dresses in these like bright colours. I think one was covered in pineapples and one was covered in hearts. And so I see these dresses. I think, oh, I love them, and I shoved them all into the basket. And the moment I got them out, I thought. This material is kind of a cotton, I think it was a cotton mix, but there was no giving it whatsoever. And I thought, if they are even a millimetre 
too small. It's going to completely change how the whole dress, they're going to burst open at the front. And so, so there's going to be a boob trying to escape and it's going to make all the arms and everything sit incorrectly for how I want to look. <laughs> and I was right. I was right. I put the first one on and I went to a book festival and I was sitting there and I kept looking down oh, and I was sitting to, you I was sitting trusted to the your side instinct. of the audience. I was sitting to the side of the audience and I could see my boob escaping through the hole in the front of the... So yes, deep down we all know what makes us look amazing and what we just absolutely can't wear. Mm. So I am a big believer in knowing exactly what your own personal style is. Believe in yourself and believe in your own uh, your own knowledge and your own talent. Yeah. Grace, your worst piece of advice now um, is something that a literary agent once told you. What did this <laughs> person say um, to make it into your black your blacklist? I'm not going to say uh, I'm not going to say which agent it is, um, but when I was writing uh, I, the Shiraz Bailey Wood novels, now this will be so this must have been about 13 years ago, and I had written some very safe uh kind of cozy wholesome children's books which sold in america and sold in britain and i'd I'd done quite well out of them financially and i wanted to write something that was a bit a bit more real and a bit more about how i was as a child and i started writing these books uh, about a girl called shiraz bailey wood and the publisher wanted to uh, call it Diary of a Chav, which I was quite against, but it actually did really, yeah, it actually did, they did very well. But before I got to that point where they came out, my agent at that time looked at the the first 20,000 words and they just turned their nose up at them and said, I just don't think this is a project that you should get involved with because the humour is too, and I always remember this, the humour's too frenetic. I just don't think any of it's really that good and they're never going to sell. And, uh, and you know, the thing was, this, these books were kind of a bit of a life raft as well at the time. It wasn't like... It wasn't like I was fighting book deals off. And I, and I really did believe in the project. I thought, this is me. I've just written what it was like being me as a child and p- people seem to like them. He told me they would never work. And I sacked him and found somebody else to sell them. And I am now sitting in the house <laughs> that I bought. Brilliant. With, you know, with, with it. And I faced this quite a lot of times with my writing. It was when I was much younger. People have come along quite a few times and, you know, it's ex-boyfriends and said, I just don't think this is going to work out, you know? Like, I just don't think... And it's always been the same thing. It's always been like, your writing's just too much. It's never been that it's like crap and you've got no talent. It's just always been, you've be you're just a bit too much. Mm. You know, it's just not very womanly, oh. you know? <laughs> It's a bit kind of, it's a bit surreal and it's a bit, you know, you go off on tangents and I just don't see how you're going to make any money out of it. How wonderful to prove those people so wrong. 
I don't think it makes any any difference to people like that though but it makes a difference to yourself I feel it's a good feeling that's what I mean like just to carry those things with you and then just quietly like just know yourself how wrong they are the best revenge is living well exactly so you've got a book out at the moment Grace called Hungry um for anyone that hasn't read it already do you want to give us a quick uh rundown of, of what to expect uh, Hungry it, it came out last year. It is a memoir of how I got from being a little girl in Cork and Carlisle, eating Finder's Crispy Pancakes and Butterscotch Angel Delight and uh, a lot of mints to being the girl on MasterChef who is uh, coming in and uh, being offered foie gras and fragments and smears and that type of thing. But what it is mainly is it's just looking at my life and it's about losing my dad mm. gradually from dementia. Amazing. Thank you. And um, if you don't listen to Grace's amazing podcast, Comfort Eating, you really should do. It's one of um, my absolute favourite podcasts and I love listening to it. So I really recommend anyone to um, search it out if you haven't already. Grace, it's been so nice to speak to you. It's been great to see oh, your face darling. after um, all of these years since we last worked together. And I've really genuinely enjoyed listening to your advice and um, feel very inspired. And I, I feel like you've got a future career as a kind of guru type guru yeah spiritual person i'm really i'm really into it i I seriously pray for anyone who joins my cult to be quite honest (laughs) but but please come along what a six months we'd have lottie (laughs) brilliant well thanks for that thanks for listening to this week's grazia life advice podcast And thanks again to Grace Dent for sharing all that with us in her trademark soothing voice. As ever, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe. And if you know someone, maybe they're going through an awful breakup or maybe they just can't choose a fabric that suits them, then please share this episode with them. And we'll be back next week.